Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. War has played a key role in the history of the United States, from the nation's founding right down to the present. War made the U.S. independent, kept it together, increased its size, and established it as a global superpower. Understanding America's wars is essential for understanding American history. Welcome to Key Battles of American History, a podcast in which we discuss American history through the lens of the most important battles of America's wars. Here is your host, James Early. Hello, everyone. Before we start the episode, I want to first put in a plug for a really great podcast by a friend of mine who's a really great guy. If you really want to understand the founding of the United States, you should listen to the American Revolution podcast. The host, Michael Troy, is going through the era from start to finish. He starts with a summary of the French and Indian War, then the pre-war protests, and finally into the Revolutionary War itself. The American Revolution podcast is more than just military history. It covers the political, social, and economic events that led to the United States becoming the first democratically elected government in modern history. You'll enjoy the detailed coverage of events, large and small, as well as the host's sense of humor through hundreds of episodes. Even if you know the American Revolution, you will definitely learn new things from this podcast. Michael even has a companion blog and a great book recommendation series. So check out the American Revolution podcast on all major podcast platforms. I'll tell you, I have listened to this podcast from the very beginning. I don't think I've ever missed a single episode. He's been at this for several years now, probably five or six years, and he's just released episode 265. So you can see the amount of detail he goes into, much, much more detail than I do. You will learn so much. You'll learn not just about the big and famous battles like Saratoga, Bunker Hill, those kind of battles, but you'll also learn about little-known engagements that, even though they're little-known, they're still very important. So again, check out the American Revolution podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, here is my main episode. Hello, and welcome to another brand new series of Key Battles of American History. I'm your host, James Early, as always, and I'm excited to announce that I have finally worked up the courage to tackle the big one. That's right. You guessed it. Over the next several months, I will be discussing the European theater of World War II. So this is our introduction to the series. So we're going to talk about a few things just to lay the groundwork. We'll talk about the format and kind of just the structure and some other things. So let's start with the format. So what I'm going to do in this series, as I've done in all my previous podcasts and podcast series, I'm going to work with a partner. This time, my partner is once again my good buddy, Sean McIver. Sean is a lifelong student of World War II. He's a fellow Texan. He's a man I consider a friend and longtime collaborator. And Sean's going to bring a great amount of insight to the series. You're going to love listening to what he has to say. Sean, 
Hello. Welcome back to another series. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. So what do you think about this? How do you feel about jumping? This is a big bike to take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so my past podcast experience has been with Texas history and culture, although we talked several different episodes about World War II, but World War II is by far my favorite historical subject, both you know from a military perspective, from a social perspective, from a technological perspective, and from a political perspective. So I just love reading about World War II and about things that happened in World War II and tanks that were used in World War II and airplanes. And, you know, as time has gone by, I've been far, become more fascinated with the politics of the war. So just an opportunity to talk about World War II and to talk about things about World War II is just a great opportunity. Well, I'm excited to have you along, Sean. We've been talking about doing this series for, gosh, over a year. I think it was actually maybe 2021 when we first started thinking about it. Folks, and Sean has helped me a lot in the past. Sean read over all the episodes for the Pacific War series that I did with Scott Rank a while back, and Sean offered some helpful hints on a lot of the episodes. And of course, y'all remember that Sean and I did a series on the films about the Pacific War. And, and you know, if you listen to those, you know that Sean has a very in-depth knowledge of things. Like I remember him saying, I think it was Midway, I'm excited that they actually used 18-inch guns, you know, when... Or another one, you know, they should have used 15 inch guns, but they had 14 instead. I'm like, yes. Oh, how do you know all this stuff? I mean, Sean <laughs> knows it from the rivet all the way up to the, the highest level, the political and grand strategy and all that. So, and if people think that there's a lot of World War II movies about the Pacific Theater, I don't think there's nearly as many World War II movies about the Pacific Theater as there is about the European Theater. Oh, yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but you are right. So, as Always, Sean and I will do our best to tell the story in an engaging way with a generous dose of humor whenever it is appropriate. You know, Sean and I both are somewhat irreverent in our approach to the story. I mean, we're reverent when reverence is called for, but we're not afraid to make fun of people and find the humor in certain situations. Now, this series is going to be massive. I have never tried anything like this before. We are going to do 34 approximately, that's what I have now, but that may go up or go down, but about 34, 35 regular episodes. And when I say regular, I mean either about a battle or about political events or both. And we're also going to do 30 movie episodes. And that, Sean, I was counting recently, that equals the total number of movies we've done so far. Hmm. Like if you add together our World War I movies or Pacific movies, and we did two on the Texas Revolution. This will bring our total to 60. Wow. And the way this is going to work is we're going to go to a two-episode-a-week format, at least for most of the year 2023. Regular episodes will come out on Wednesdays, while movie episodes, and occasionally there will be another type of bonus episode, those are going to come out on Saturdays. So if you are a kind of person that doesn't really care for movies, you know, and I, Sean, I never realized there were actually history buffs out there that didn't like war movies or history movies. That was a shock to me, but I learned that there a while are, back. There are war movie buffs that don't care for history, so I guess the other direction could be true as well. It most definitely is. I had a few people say, oh, why are you doing all these movies? Let's get some more battles in. So you're going to get the best of both worlds. If you love movies, you'll enjoy our discussions of the movies, I think. But if you don't like war movies, you just skip those episodes. Actually, be sure and download them, please, but you don't have to listen to it. You have my blessing not to listen to them. But anyway, you'll have some regular episodes and some war movie episodes. And Sean and I have 
picked out 30 of our favorite World War II movies. And as he mentioned, Sean mentioned earlier, there's a lot more European theater movies than there are Pacific theater movies, and their new ones are coming out all the time. I mean, we could have done 50 or 60 if we wanted to, but... Well, there's... <laughs> you're going to hate me for saying this, but there's not a Wind Talkers in this list. You know, I was actually going to say the exact <laughs> same thing. No, I get it. I get why. I don't love Wind Talkers, but I liked it okay. I liked it better than you, but I certainly understand why you and a lot of people didn't like it. But yeah, the average quality of the movies is going to be much better, and we will give you a week's notice. We'll tell you at the end of each movie review what the next movie is going to be so you'll have time to hopefully find it and watch it. Although a lot of you guys have probably already seen a good chunk of these movies. They're going to be classics, you know, just super classics like The Longest Day, you know, like Patton, Saving Private Ryan. And then there's going to be some lesser known movies as well. There'll be some movies that are German or in one case, German and Russian joint production. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. All right. Now, another thing I need to get out up front is that we're going to cover the full war, not just the parts in which the United States was involved. Sean and I were in 100% agreement on that. I mean, technically speaking, yes, the name of this podcast is Key Battles of American History. So some people who are kind of picky might say, well, you know, that's not about American history if we're talking about Germany versus Russia or something. But it would be very incomplete if we just started with, I don't know, what would we do, Jean? Talk about the Battle of the Atlantic a little and then go straight to Operation Torch? Yeah. Well, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. It would leave out huge gaping hole. Yes. And also, the, you can't tell the story of the war without telling the story of the war. It's not like the war started on December 8th of 1941 when Hitler declared war on the United States. If it did, it would be a very different subject. But the United States was involved in some way or another, whether it be through supply and diplomacy or actually participating in the war from September of 1939 all the way to May of 1945. So we have our finger in the pot, so to speak, for the entire war and a stake in the game. It's just we became active participants really at the end of 1941. Yes. So we're going to start at the very beginning. In fact, we're going to start before the beginning. We're really going to start at the end of World War One. We'll even talk a little about the last few months of World War I, because if you don't understand World War I and how it ended and what happened in the couple decades in between the two world wars, you won't understand World War II. So we're going to start with a couple of introductory episodes, and they're going to go straight through the war with most episodes narrating a specific battle. So one of the key battles, like obviously we'll have an episode on Barbarossa. We're going to have an episode on Operation Torch. We'll have one on the Battle of Britain. We'll have one on Operation Overlord and so on and so on. The big battles. And we'll talk a little bit about the lesser battles and the lead up to that. But we're also going to have some topical episodes in nature. For example, we have an episode on strategic bombing. We have one on a couple on the war on the seas. And then we're going to go straight through the war. We won't stop and do things like the common soldier or things like that. We're going to save those for the end. We are going to do some topical episodes that are not necessarily straight military things. So we're going to have an episode on women and their role in World War II, African-Americans in World War II, the Holocaust, resistance movements, espionage, things like that. So it'll be a little different in structure to what we've done in the past. Again, straight through the war, and then we'll do the topical episodes. All right. Sean, you want to add anything else before we talk about the level of depth? No. Okay. That's what we've got planned. That's it. We hope you like it. 
But anyway, let's now talk about the level of depth because I sometimes get criticized for this. So I'm going to go ahead and say it up front. As has been true on all of my podcast series, all the way from the Civil War to the Revolutionary War, World War One, Pacific War, all these, the level of detail is what I call the 10,000-foot view. So it's medium depth. It's not like, it's not super cursory, I don't think. You know, we don't say, okay, episode one, Hitler invaded Poland, and then later he invaded, so yeah, and he won. So, okay, <laughs> next, you know, that would be a short episode, but we will talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts, the army units, where did they go? What did they do? How much resistance did they encounter? What were the casualties? But not a ton of detail. We're not going to tell you everything like this division went here, this division went here, and on the next day this happened, and this regiment and all this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to give you too much about the X's and O's on the battlefield. That's not me. That's not my style. Sean might be a little more inclined to do that in some cases, but if you want that this is not the podcast for you. There are other podcasts, and I'll even give you some podcast names later. To do this would take too many weeks. I don't want to take two years, three years, four years, five years like some podcasts do. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's bad, but it's just not me. This is designed to be an introduction to the topic. Sean and I are hoping to just give you a solid overview of the war and then to prompt you to want to go and do more reading on your own. Like if you really enjoy the Battle of Britain episode. Maybe you'll go get a book or two on it or something. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. If we were to do the X's and O's, you know, the movement of individual, you know, divisions and regiments, and battalions and brigades, then we would be talking forever. It would take us years to get through, take us months just to get through the Polish campaign. So right. it's going to be the broad strokes that we're painting a picture with enough detail for you to understand what's happening. Of the greatest conflict in human history, the broadest, largest, you know, conflict in human history. And this is, you know, half of the entire war is fought in, you know, in Europe and in North Africa and the Atlantic Ocean and into the Indian Ocean, the Arctic Ocean. So, you know, we've got a lot of ground to cover in six years and more uh, in the 25 years leading up to things or the 20 years leading up to things. So. Yeah, we can't get into every single movement of Irvin Rommel or George Patton or of, you know, Marshall Zukov, but we will get you to where you need to go. Yeah, you can rest assured that if we leave something out, it's because we deliberately chose to leave that out. Sometimes it hurts us to leave things out, especially Sean. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to give brief descriptions of the battles. And at the same time, we're going to throw in a lot of human interest stories. We're going to have quotations, you know, cool quotes ironies, fun facts, maybe uh, even an audio clip from time to time. And you know, we couldn't do that, obviously, with the Mexican War series or the Texas Revolution series. But I just want to make sure everybody understands what you're getting into. Sometimes I get reviews where they'll ding me and they'll say, well, you didn't go into enough detail on the battles. And my reaction is, yeah, I know. And I told you that ahead of time. I always tell everybody that this is a 10,000 foot view. This is not a like ground level thing. So just be prepared. If you are a super diehard expert on World War II, you may not learn a whole lot, but you might, you might, but just don't expect us again to just take weeks and weeks and weeks and years. James here. And now a brief word from our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are also going to talk a lot about politics. As Sean said earlier, he's gotten really into that aspect of the war lately. I've always found that fascinating. And, you know, in any war, the politics and the battles are inseparable. You cannot separate what goes on from on the battlefield from what is going on in the Capitol, uh, in the halls of Congress or Parliament or the Soviet, you know, the Kremlin. Say something else, too. Yeah, sometimes people say in the reviews, like, well, you took like four episodes to actually get to a battle. And so you can't just say, okay, September 1st, 1939, Germany invades Poland. You've got to lay the groundwork and explain all the political things and the diplomatic things that happened and how diplomacy failed and how war came about. And Clausewitz says, you know, the famous quote from Clausewitz is that war is the continuation of politics by other means. Absolutely. There, there is no separation. There's literally since war began, there is no separation between politics and warfare. There has to be a why you go to war. And the politics is the reason, is the why behind what we're talking about. The other thing that we're going to go into is the process. We're going to talk a lot about the process of fighting the war. That's another thing that I've become very interested in is how the war was fought. And so, you know, the important answers beyond the who and the what is the why and the how. How the war was fought, how the war was won, because those things are as important to the overall story. It's not just that a bunch of soldiers stood in a field and shot at each other. There are the this war, especially if the Second World War is one of the most radically changing technological wars of all time. That you started the war with most countries with horse-drawn armies and biplane aircraft, and you ended the war with jets and atomic bombs. And there was a logistical revolution that occurred throughout the war and revolution and evolution that occurred throughout the war on in all armies and all theaters. And so you can't really grasp and comprehend the scope and scale of this war without understanding how the war was fought. So that we're going to talk a lot about that in the different parts of the battle because that how dictated how the battlefield, how the battle was won, what each of those major battles 
what they accomplished and what the ending of them was. You can't talk about the Battle of Britain without talking about radar and about the world's first integrated aerial defense network. You can't talk about D-Day without talking about the logistics that went into D-Day. So these are things that we're going to discuss. So in addition to the why, we're going to talk about the how, and we're going to talk about the what, and we're going to talk about the who. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fascinating story. You already said that, Sean, but I just want to echo that because just to think about how military technology and just logistical know-how, logistical technology, how it changed dramatically from 1939 to 1945 is a fascinating story. Sean's been reading a book on that lately, and I'm going to read it too, just to think, how do you feed a million men, 2 million, 5 million, 10 million men? How do you keep them clothed? How do you keep them armed? How do you move them from point A to point B? That's something people don't often think about. You know, you can get so bogged down in the battles themselves, you don't think about the why and the how, like Sean was discussing. So I think you're going to enjoy that, listeners. We're going to work in quite a bit of that as well. All right. And another thing we'll do that we've done in the past is we're going to stop and give many biographies, many bios, I call them, as the most of the most important political and military leaders of the war. And again, we're just going to do the top, top, top ones. There's so many generals, so many important people, other than not just generals, but politicians, spies, just you name it, all kinds of different people. This war was a massive, massive team effort. So we don't have time to talk about every single person, but you'll get bios of your Hitlers and Stalins and Mussolinis and Eisenhowers and Churchills, Roosevelt, people like that. Just a little bit, just enough to whet your appetite to maybe go learn more if you want to. We'll also try to work in mental maps where it's possible. I have to be honest with you, as I record this, we've actually already recorded the first almost dozen episodes, and I kind of forgot about mental maps in a lot of cases, but Sean's done a good job of bailing me out from time to time, and we'll try to set the stage to help you understand the geography of the battles, to a certain degree at least. All right. And one other thing that I feel, actually two things. First is that the series is going to be mostly leader-centered. So it's mostly going to be a top-down history. You'll hear lots about world leaders, generals and admirals, not as much about the common soldier. We will talk some about the common soldier, but not as much as we would like to. There will be a little bit of bottom-up discussion, but for the most part, it's going to be a top-down discussion. I know, at least in academia, that's not cool anymore. It's not popular. But I think it's still something that the average history fan likes to hear. I love Nerds and, and Bill Garnier just as much as the next guy. But, you know, we'll leave that to the movie, uh, to the miniseries, and to the individual books about them. We're going to talk a lot more about uh, about Rindstadt and Rommel and, and Montgomery than we are about mm-hmm. Yeah, the soldier on the ground. Yeah. And then finally, just remember, we can't cover everything. You know, I often get messed. And I love getting feedback. And I hope you guys will send me a message on Facebook or go to the American History Fanatics group and join and leave comments. I think there's a Key Battles of History email that you can find if you go to keybattlesofamericanhistory.com. But you can also contact me at San Jacinto College, where I teach. But I love hearing from you. Sometimes I often get, you know, emails saying, well, are you going to cover this? Or you should have done this. You should have done that. We wish we could do everything that everybody wants to hear about. But again, we're just giving an introduction to the topic. This is something 
that could be used in a homeschooling situation, or it could be used to supplement a high school class or a junior college class, possibly even a university class. But if you want more detail, there are several really good World War II podcasts that do go into the weeds. I mean, they take weeks and weeks. So some of these are the History of World War II podcast by Ray Harris. He's been at it for over a decade, and I think he's still on 1942. So you can imagine the level of depth. Like when he did the Battle of Britain, I think it was seven or eight episodes just on the Battle of Britain. There's also the World War II podcast by Angus Wallace. And then there's the History of the Second World War podcast by Wesley Livesay or Livesay. And there's Witness World War II by the BBC. And there's probably others as well, but those are the ones I'm most familiar with. Also, if you like YouTube and have time to watch YouTube videos, check out the YouTube channel called World War II by Indy Nidell and Spartacus Olson. They go week by week. Like every episode, it's about 15 minutes or so, and they talk about the highlights of what happened during the week. So they get into quite a bit of detail. They have great maps, too, and great graphics. Wow. Uh, yeah. We'll listen to, if you're looking for some particular subjects, I know Dan Carlin had a series on the Eastern Front and on his show, Hardcore History, where he went into an obscene level of detail in describing <laughs> and discussing for multiple-hour episodes the Eastern Front so of World War II. So there's lots of subjects. There's lots of podcasts out there that really get into the gory detail of everything. And so, you know, if they want to go to them at that level, definitely that's the place to go. Well, all right. So now we're going to, if you haven't been sold on listening to this podcast yet, we're going to try really hard to get you hooked. So here's a question that Sean and I are going to discuss, mainly Sean. I may jump in and give some commentary from time to time, but Sean's been thinking about this. Why should you listen to this series? Stated another way, what is the importance of the European theater of the Second World War? A lot of people are going to just say, well, duh, it's great. It's fascinating. It's really cool. But maybe there are some of you who are just not really sure if you want to commit to this 35-episode series. Each episode is about an hour, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes slightly more. But Sean, why should somebody listen to this if they're on the fence? Why don't you try to persuade them to do it? Well. The Second World War is, you know, it is the really the dominant event of the modern era of history. And really, I would consider the two world wars together because I tend to agree with the, the conceit that World War One and World War Two are really just two wars separated by a few decades in Regnum and the modest realignment of opponents during the course of the war. And the Second World War was much more broad in scale than the First World War ended up being. But you know, the Second World War is driven by what occurred in the Second World War or in the First World War. It really is the settling and the continuation of the political changes that were wrought by the First World War. But World War II drives so much of our current world and so much of what we see around us and so much conflict, so much change in terms of political change, in terms of social change, in terms of technological change. You do not have Europe, a European Union, the way it is today without the Second World War. You don't have China the way it is without the Second World War. And you don't have the United States as a dominant international force for the past now three quarters of a century, like without the Second World War, without what occurred in the Second World War. So, so much of our modern world is determined by what occurred 
in Europe between 1939 and 1945, and in Japan and China between, you know, the early 1930s and 1945. These are things that you can't really, you cannot escape from. And it is an epochal change in the history of the world, the post-war era. And we are still living in the post-war era. But so understanding World War II, the politics behind it, and understanding what happened during the war is important. And people do need to know, you know, what occurred. People need to need to understand that it was more than just America putting boots on the ground at Normandy Beach, that there was a great deal of hardship and difficulty and effort to get to that point from the United States and from Great Britain. And it was, you know, it would not have been possible if it hadn't been for the massive bloodletting on the sides of both the Russians and the Soviets on the Eastern Front. You know, the, the fact that the Eastern Front chewed up millions of German soldiers hundreds of thousands to to over a million German soldiers before 1944 makes it possible for Americans to land at Normandy Beach, In very simply. The fact that Britain stood alone, but with the support of its entire Commonwealth against the Germans and stayed as a power, enabled a retaking, of, a re- retaking and liberation of Europe. Those are things that occurred, and you need to understand that to understand the full story of the Second World War. James here, and now a brief word from our sponsors. Doctors endorse it. Nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calatron Healthy Weight Loss. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calatron. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 35 inches and 45 pounds. Calatron contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calatron promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calatron has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free, plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word BATTLES to 30605 and I'll send you a link to this special offer. Once again, text the word BATTLES, B-A-T-T-L-E-S, 30605. You'll be glad you did. Are you a man who thinks about the Roman Empire at least once a day? According to a recent internet meme, you definitely do. And why shouldn't you? Here's a clip from Tom Holland talking about Rome at the very height of its power. When tourists go to the Colosseum, they're not really going there. I suspect most of them, because they're admirers of Flavian architecture, I suspect that they're going there because it's the kind of the shiver that you get of going to a place where blood sports have happened. To listen to more of this discussion, check out the History Unplugged podcast on the podcast player of your choice. We all know that hard times create hard men, hard men create good times, good times create soft men, soft men create hard times. That's how the cycle of history works, right? Well, as guest Dan Carlin explains, that's not exactly the case. You had mentioned, you know, what we had talked about with Kennedy being elected because, you know, who did better at the debate or who's going to lower my taxes or all these banal things two years before 100 million plus people are killed in a thermonuclear war, right? Did you elect the right guy then? To listen to more of this History Unplugged interview with Dan Carlin about why the end is always near, search for History Unplugged on the podcast player of your choice. Yeah, you know, World War One was often called at the time the war to end all wars. Of course, that turned out to definitely not be the case. But World War II kind of was in some ways. It's obviously 
don't take that literally. It didn't end all wars. There's still been many wars around the world. But World War II, at least as of February of 2023, was the last continent-wide war in Europe. And of course, there had been many, many of those going back two centuries. It's the last time that the great powers of Europe turned on each other, killed each other, wiped out an entire generation of each other's populations. And since then, they, I mean, even though we, they settled immediately into the Cold War with two opposing blocks, if you will, there was not any more major shooting wars and there haven't been, thank goodness, since then. So, so yeah. that's another reason I would say World War II was super duper important for us to understand today because it was the war that really, it really changed things. I mean, it made a permanent change to European politics and just the European military situation as well. Well, yeah, absolutely did. Even, you know, and which something that was accelerated by the fall of the, of the Berlin Wall, the end of the Cold War. But, you know, the, the fact is, is that before 1914, there had been global conflicts. There had, you know, the British yeah. and the French had fought each other around the world for a century or more than a century, two centuries up to that point, but never on the scale that happened in the Second World War or in the First World War. And then the Second World War, though, was the last hot global conflict where there was active conflict in multiple theaters throughout the war, in multiple continents throughout the world. Then it was directly responsible for the so-called Cold War, which was not a hot war, but had lots of small conflicts, but never escalated to the point of the massive global scale war that occurred between 1939 and 1945. So, and the current year, you know, the European political establishment, you know, there was a 40 year European political establishment until the fall of communism. And then since then, it's now been close to 30 years where we've had another European political establishment where it's a unified Europe in many, many ways, not completely unified but more of a true concert of Europe and more of a true concert of nations. For We look forward to seeing you then. Take care. These things are all the things that occurred because of the Second World War, just like the way the Second World War was fought occurred because, you know, the reason why the Second World War happened was because of things that were not settled in the First World War. The way that the war was fought, you know, as war of movement, rapid, you know, large bodies of armored and mechanized units moving and fighting each other, that's a direct result of the way that the First World War was fought. So you have a political reason, the why and the how, dictated by the First World War. And so now the current world that we live in is in large part dictated by what occurred at the end of 1945. And there's ramifications yeah. everywhere. There's ramifications, huge ramifications in the Middle East, obviously, because of the Holocaust. You know, you have... In many ways, you have the establishment of the state of Israel and the, therefore the politics that stem from that in the Middle East. You have the entire Africa in 1939, all of Africa, except for one, Liberia, is controlled by a European power. In the 1940s and 1950s and 1960s, all of Africa becomes independent of international foreign powers. So, you know, that is a direct result of the Second World War. Southeast Asia, South Asia, you know, all of these things are occurring because of what happened in the Second World War. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Middle East and Africa because I was going to mention something else. I just had another thought. And just to clarify one thing, we're calling this series 
World War II in Europe or the World War II European theater of operations, but we are definitely not going to talk about just what happened in Europe. When we say the European theater, we mean Europe and the areas around it. So we're going to talk about a lot about fighting in North Africa, for example. We're going to talk about fighting in the Middle East, even East Africa, the Arctic Circle, the Atlantic. In fact, we're even going to talk about a battle that occurred off the coast of South America pretty early on in the series. So yeah, yeah, it's much more than Europe. It's just that Europe is kind of the center of gravity of this series. It's the war with Germany, the war with Nazi Germany, really. Right. Just like the previous series was the war with Japan. You know, it wasn't all entirely in the Pacific theater. It was also in Southeast Asia. It was in China. In the same way, this is the war with Germany, the second world war with Germany. Absolutely. Well, all right, Sean, before we wrap up this introductory episode, any other thoughts that you want to get out there? Nope. Looking forward to it. Me too. It is going to be great. We've had fun with the recording we've done so far, and we're going to continue to enjoy it. This is perhaps the most fun series we've done yet. So there you go, listener. So we've laid out the groundwork for you. And hopefully, if you were on the fence about committing to this series, we've convinced you to listen. So we're going to go ahead next week and kick it off with the first regular episode. And that is going to be, well, world events from about 1918 to about 1930. So we're going to see how the war, it doesn't start yet. There won't be any shooting in the European war yet, but we're going to see that there is peace, but it's a peace that's very fragile. It's very much like a house of cards, and it's going to gradually come undone over the first two episodes. So join us next time. Our first episode is called A Restless Peace. Europe from 1918 to 1930. Hey, everybody, this is James. I realized after Sean and I stopped recording the introduction episode that I forgot to mention one very important thing, or at least it's important to me. So I thought I would go ahead and take a few minutes to, or seconds, it's not going to be that long to discuss this, but that is the issue of pronunciation. You know, pronunciation is the... uh, It's kind of the worst nightmare for most history podcasters because there are so many place names that you come across and most and names even and and terms. And these are things that you read in books and you read them again and again and again, but you oftentimes never hear them pronounced, especially not by a native speaker of the country that they are in. So pronunciation is tough and it's never been as tough for me as in this series. You know, when I started my battles podcasting career, so to speak, with key battles of the Civil War. That was easy because everything was in the United States and everything was in English. And I I had heard almost all the places pronounced. And the same was true more or less with the Revolutionary War, although I still managed to mess up a couple of places. But then of course I did key battles of World War One. And so I had to do some research into French place names and and French names and as well as German and a few other languages. Then Key Battles of the Pacific War, that one wasn't too bad because for whatever reason, at least to me, Japanese pronunciation is very logical, you know, very straightforward. It just makes sense. They spell it, at least when, you know, when they use English letters or Latin characters, I guess I should say, they, what, they write it like you say it, unlike we do in English, which we often don't. But, you know, and of course, War of 1812 wasn't that bad. I probably messed up some of the French place names in Louisiana and other places, and and then Texas Revolution, Mexican-American War, those weren't too bad because I 
I know Spanish pronunciation pretty well. I've studied some Spanish. I don't really always do it great, but at least I know what you're supposed to do. And again, Spanish pronunciation is very logical and straightforward, unlike English. But I tell you what, when we started this European Theater of Operations for World War II, it is tough. And as you know, it's a massive series. And we are having to say names and places in many, many languages, at least a dozen languages, if not 15 or 20. I mean, obviously, there's German, there's French, there's Russian, there's Serbian, there's Greek, there's Arabic. And I'm just scratching the surface. There's many others, too. But those are the main ones that we're having to kind of struggle through. And neither Sean nor I has really learned any of these languages. <laughs> I, I used to be fluent in Serbian, actually, because I lived over there for a while. But actually, I was in Bosnia. But you know, it's Bosnian, Serbian, Croatian, the language is basically the same. So I, I can pronounce Serbian places. And I, I've studied a little bit of Greek, so I can pronounce Greek fairly well. I can pronounce Russian fairly well because it's similar to Serbian. But Arabic, German, not so much, even French. So all that is to say that please show us some grace on this. And, and most of you will do this. My listeners are great and they're very, y'all are very nice and very forgiving and, and kind. And you, you're very good about giving us positive feedback. If I do mispronounce something, I, I do want to hear about it, but kindly, if you wouldn't mind, because just I want you to know that we tried really hard to get these things right, but it's just impossible. We don't have the time to get, uh, enroll in an Arabic course or a German course or Russian course with all of the things we're doing. Sean and I both have families and we both have day jobs and I also have a night job. So it's tough. So we did the best we could. I hope that you'll forgive me and Sean for every word and place we mispronounce. And I hope that it will not take away from your enjoyment or the podcast series. All right. Again, I won't say anything else about pronunciation, at least not much, but did want to get that off my chest and, and just again, apologize ahead of time. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care and I hope you enjoy the series. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Key Battles of American History is a proud member of the Parthenon Podcast Network, which includes several other podcasts, including History Unplugged by Scott Rank, Beyond the Big Screen and History of the Papacy by Steve Guerra, This American President by Richard Lim, Eyewitness History by Josh Cohen, and Vlogging Through History by Chris Mowry. If you haven't already, I strongly encourage you to check out these great podcasts. If you would like to support this podcast and help it to grow, there are four things you can do. First, you can subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. This helps other people to find the podcasts. Ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are especially helpful. Second, join our Facebook group, American History Fanatics, where we discuss the episodes of this podcast, as well as other topics related to American history. Third, tell as many friends as you can about the show. And fourth, you can join the elite unit called Early's Raiders by going to patreon.com and searching for key battles of American history. There are five different levels of support to choose from. Each level allows you to have early access to ad-free episodes. Higher levels bring additional benefits, including bonus episodes and even the ability to commission episodes on topics of your choosing. Before I close, I would like to give a shout out to the current members of Early's Raiders. Thanks to Colonels Lee Beaumont, Terry Davis, and Josh Simpson, Majors Chris C., Alex Calabres, Anna Concepcion Castro, Eli Forsyth, Bob McCullough, Melissa Mueller, Doug Pergram, and Jay Robison, 
Captains Ryan Apashian, Alex Coombs, Robbie Edwards, Rick Hanna, Jeff Henley, Grant Holmstrom, Hooves Woodworking, Stephen James, Mike Leslie, Gary Lenz, Billy Malone, Jose Martinez, Tim Moon, Ryan Ramones, David Santee, Michael Severino, Jacob Thomason, Jeff Vandermeulen, and Gregory Works. And Lieutenants Patrick Brennan, Sean Burrell, Matthew Christensen, Ronald Cohen, Craig Didier, Scott Hendricks, Who's Your Daddy, David Lueza, Craig Martin, Jeff Sabo, and Larry Elk. I greatly appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to Key Battles of American History. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. And please be sure and spread the word about the show. If you can spare a few minutes, rate and review the show at Apple Podcasts. This greatly helps us to reach more listeners. And for show notes, maps, and further discussion, visit our website at www.keybattlesofamericanhistory.com. Thank you, and we look forward to joining you again in the next episode of Key Battles of American History. Thank you.